Welcome to Women's Hoops and Talks, the What Podcast, where we are elevating the voice of women in basketball. I am Tara Bowen Biggs, and I am so delighted today to be joined by another special guest host today. Alex Haig is joining me. Alex, how you doing today? I'm doing great. How are you? I am great. And I'm so excited to talk to you because you are one of my favorite follows on Twitter. So people don't know you on Twitter, Al Hicks, O-W-L-H-I-X. Is that what it is? That is correct. Yeah. You are just so funny. Your Instagram stories are so funny. And I was like, I've got to get Alex on the (laughs) podcast before somebody else discovers her and snatches her up and makes her famous. So I I think you got time for that. (laughs) Thank you so much. Really glad you're joining me today. Um, But what I think we should just go ahead and start off with is how about introducing yourself and telling folks a little bit about how you fell in love with basketball and the Blazers. Okay. Uh, Yeah. So my name is Alex Haig. Um, I have been a basketball fan since I was very young, probably because of my parents. But I started actually playing basketball when I was in sixth grade and I played for five years. And during that time is when I became a Blazers fan, Um, because during that time, the tickets were very cheap, and we would take the whole team and go watch games. And I sort of just fell in love with the environment of watching a game with a bunch of other fans. It was very exciting for me. So uh, it started when I was about 12, and my favorite player was Rasheed Wallace. Um, Loved him. I am staring at a weird amount of collectibles of him. I have a beanie baby bear of Rashid Wallace that was like made. I don't know when I have a lunchbox. Like, so the obsession started very young. Um, but now, you know, I'm just a blazer fan in the capacity where really Twitter has kind of brought blazer fans together. And that's the platform I've clung to. And it seems to be the most fun way for me to be a blazer fan. So that's kind of the evolution of, of my fanhood, I suppose. So if Rashid was your favorite player, was that your favorite era? Or did you have another era also that you really enjoyed? Um, it was, it was really fun era because it, I was, I was young. I was in my childhood. It was just a good time in general, but it was also Before the heartbreak. Your spirits of, had been crushed. Yeah. It was also <laughs> during the, you know, Western conference finals in 2000. So like it was a very rocky relationship. Um, but when I, I kind of took a hiatus, uh, from my fanhood, which I sad to say was like 10 years long. Um, and I came back in about it was 2012 or 2013 that I went to a game with my dad and it was a game where LaMarcus Aldridge won by one point with a turnaround jumper over Dallas. And it was one of the most exciting games I've ever, ever been to. And it just made me fall back in love and I haven't looked back since. So you said that one of the things that you liked about it was the experience of enjoying it with a bunch of other people and Twitter is kind of like that times a million. Would you, would you, is that, that, would you agree? (laughs) Oh yeah, definitely. I mean, it's, and it's right now and it's not just looking around and seeing people clapping or seeing people with their head in their hands. It's their most inner thoughts and just scrolling. You're just, it's like Twitter is a river and you're jumping in every once in a while, catching a couple fish, but like it's going. So it's just constant movement and constant talking. Um, it, it can get overwhelming for that same reason, but 
uh, yeah, it makes it so much more exciting that you're just connecting with all these people you would never talk to otherwise. That's what I love about Twitter. This isn't a Twitter uh, promotion. We're not being sponsored by Twitter, but... <laughs> if yeah, they no. would like to. Yeah. The yeah, lines you're... are open, though. <laughs> yeah, of course. <laughs> so are you a superstitious sports fan at all? Um, I was uh, in 2014, I think it was, in the playoffs. I was superstitious. I wore the same jersey and the same shoes and the same socks every playoff game um, until we lost... I think it was 2014. I, I would have to look at my pictures probably. Um, but yeah, I've been superstitious before in that sense, just, you know, kind of wearing the same clothes, uh, closing my eyes during important free throws, <laughs> doing this weird thing with my fingers that my dad taught me where you do like snakes with your fingers when other teams are shooting their free throws, hoping they fail uh-huh. um, silently. Uh, but yeah, other than that, other than all that weird stuff, no, I'm not superstitious. I'm, I'm just a little stitious. <laughs> Speaking of, uh, free throw routines, I have this theory wondering what you think that when the opposing team is throwing free throws, I think the entire place should just go dead silent. Don't you think that would yeah. be more nerve wracking? Absolutely. Because I bet they practice with noise. Yeah, I, you would, know? I bet that doesn't even bother them. That's like what's supposed uh, to happen. Like everyone's it's like you could just pretend they're cheering for you. Like, how would it be any different? I think yeah. we should start a thing where we just go dead silent. And like, what if our whole arena just like you could drop a pin here, a pin drop. And everybody was like, I don't want to go to Portland. They do that weird, like silence. <laughs> I 100% endorse this. I'm signing my name on this. I love the idea. I think it would be amazing. Because I agree, I think all these players, they're professionals. They're not, like, they're not wavering by our cheers and our chants and our blow-up, whatever you want to call them. Like, they don't care. They're <laughs> fine. Banger sticks. Yeah, yeah. No, I, I'm down with this silent idea. Okay, Let's good. I'm glad I have your endorsement. And, you do. Um, uh, you can um, amplify my voice on Twitter because I believe you <laughs> have probably a way bigger Twitter following and Instagram because I wouldn't even know how to like translate that to Instagram. I'll <laughs> tell the world. Tell them right now. Awesome. <laughs> well, one of the things that we were going to talk about today, the theme for this podcast, is what are you going to be watching for? What stories you're going to be watching for this upcoming season? So do you want to start? Uh, yeah, sure. Um, we're just talking about like the NBA in general, right? Not uh-huh. necessarily. Yeah. Um, Cause I mean, it's kind of Blazers related. Um, the biggest thing for me that is, uh, I guess, stemmed from heartbreak and morbid curiosity is I'm really excited to see what the Eastern Conference Trailblazers are going to do this year, AKA uh. the Brooklyn Nets. Yes. Um, they took the heart and soul of our bench, and I'm devastated. Mm-hmm. Ed Davis. Um, Ed Davis, Shabazz. Oh, Nature, and Shabazz. Yeah. And Alan Crabb's already there. So it's a freaking reunion over there now. Yeah. So um, I, I'm just going to be interested to see if, if, first of all, if they play, um, if they play together, if they succeed. You know, it'll be sad, but I hope they do. I loved Baz. I I know you loved Ed Davis. We don't even need to talk about that. But I mean, (laughs) mean, who didn't? Yeah, who didn't? He was so great. But I hope they succeed over there. It's just so bizarre to me that, I mean, I don't know. When did Alan Crabb go? Uh, Last season? Before last season? Yeah. So he's only been there a year and then they have two of our bench players. It's just it's wild to me that so many Blazers went there. 
You know, I was thinking about this last night because, you know, right now there's all this stuff about all the bulls are going over the Timberwolves to play with dib, uh, dibs. Yeah. And I'm like, oh, my God, it's the same thing. Like in, in Brooklyn, they're amassing trailblazers. And I'm yes. like, maybe it's not quite the same thing, but it's just like this whole thing about like keeping groups of players together. But I never really saw those p- three blazers as particularly like in sync or anything. Maybe they are. But yeah, um, I, I'm not sure either. I mean, I'm not sure Shabazz was playing much when Alan Crabb was still here you know he really only just kind of uh showed us what he had this last season which was why the him leaving was so much more hurtful (laughs) to me um I know a lot of people don't think that Baz did much for us but I just there was just so many highlight reel type plays of him passing or him just something with him assisting someone else um and I always like a player who gives up the ball uh for the greater good and that was Shabazz to me so I was really sad to see him go, but I hope he succeeds in Brooklyn. I'll, I'll be watching for him. So have you ever really followed a, another team or a team like, you know, in the other conference? No, I mean, especially not in the other conference. It's just been so, it's been pretty dry over there. It's just not been that exciting. Um, like, are you going to get on their blogs and read about their team? Oh, goodness. Uh, I might about Brooklyn. Just uh-huh. because of of the Blazers, but no, I mean other players like I'll I'll follow, you know, other players on social and stuff, and I'll watch for you know what what's going on with the teams because obviously, the Blazers are anything without the other teams in the NBA. You know, this it's all works together, so it's mm-hmm. good to you know pay attention to everybody. But um, I probably I don't spend too much time on other teams. I got I got enough vested interest in the Blazers as it is. So, <laughs> is there anything specific to the Blazers that you're going to be watching for this season? Um, I'm really excited about Wade Baldwin. I'm like, just we saw a little bit of him at the end of the season, and it was awesome. And then he broke out in summer league. So I'm just really stoked to see if if he continues to get playing time, if he continues to produce and just what role he kind of, uh, develops for himself on the floor, because, you know, we've got, we've got a different team this year again. And not that the starting five is, is completely open by any means, but I wonder if he'll work his way up to that point. Do you think he has potential like that? Is it just me? I love his long arms so much. And a guy with long arms and big hands, I think, like, you know, has a really high ceiling. Yeah. (laughs) If he knows how to use them, right? Right. Uh, I went to Summer League and, like, he's one of those. I mean, I'm not comparing him to Kawhi Leonard, but in some ways, the way he uses his body reminded me of times when Kawhi could just, like, like, plastic man like reach all the way around a person right just like wait did his arms stretch what's what's (laughs) going on there uh so yeah I I'm I I start every year enthusiastic and excited about the young players because what I like to do is watch development I mean I love watching our stars play really well but one of the things that I like best is uh, when young players break out. And so like, that's why it was fun to watch Zach Collins last year. Cause that was kind of yes. a, a, of a surprise. Like, Oh, I didn't really know that he was going to be playing this year. So I'm always interested in who the young person, you know, the younger player is, who's going to really shine. Um, so like, yeah. 
but one of the things that I'm looking forward to this year is I'm super curious about Seth Curry. Mm-hmm. Seth, I said Seth, right? The problem yes. is, is him and his brother. Their names are so confusing to me. I can, I have to like, like he needs a, he needs to come up with a nickname fast. I mean, I'm always like calling for players to come up with nicknames, but I have never had a better reason than right now to demand that they yes. come up with a nickname. I think you've got your work cut out for you though in Portland. That's uh, we've got a lot of people dedicated to wordplay and nicknames here, so we should have one. Uh, in no time. Yeah, I so. need it to be easier because I'm really using way more like RAM in my head to try to just keep <laughs> them straight than I should be. I mean, I'm I'm not a young person. Like I'm not getting <laughs> younger all the time. I need to make things as easy as possible for myself. But so here's the thing, though, that I'm fascinated about Seth. Seth is kind of a member of basketball royalty, and we haven't really had what I'm calling royalty. So here's why I call them royalty. Like we've had players in recent years who were the sons of players. So like Ed Mm -hmm. Davis's dad played, Wesley Matthews' dad played, Gerald Henderson's dad played. I mean, we've had plenty of players whose father played, but Seth is like from a royal family. Mm -hmm. And not only is he, you know, a member of the royal family, but he's also involved with his girlfriend is Doc Rivers' daughter. So he's connected to this whole other royal <laughs> wow. family. What a tangled web. <laughs> <laughs> and it's just, I think it's really interesting that now he's here in Portland, which is not a high vil- visibility market. And I'm curious to find out if he is a guy who like grew up kind of in the spotlight, who will bring the spotlight with him, or if he's somebody who like, this is a good fit for him because he's, you know, kind of out from under the shadow of, you know, his family and mm-hmm. his big brother. And I'm, I'm really curious about that aspect. And I don't know this have anything to do with basketball, but it still fascinates me. It does. I think, I think it has a lot to do with basketball because, you know, depending on his outlook on his position within his family, you know, it could affect his success in the NBA in the long run, because some people may uh, embrace that they are from, like you said, a royal family or some, you know, in his position may feel overshadowed and it might affect, you know, their success. So I think it totally has to do with basketball. And I don't know what kind of person he is. I don't know how he deals with fame and, you know, if he compares himself to his brother or his dad or if that even happens within the family, you know, because we never know. Um, But I'd say it's a factor for sure. Did you see that earlier this summer, Seth and Steph gifted their younger sister with like the women's locker room at her college? Like they had the locker room named after her at her college for her wedding day. Oh, wow. Such a strange present. It's a wonderful, generous. I think it's like an awesome thing to do for somebody. But I just keep thinking. That is such a strange wedding present. <laughs> yeah, that really is. It must have been something that like was very important to her that she yeah. kept bringing up. Because yeah. yeah, that's that's. I mean, if you're going with like a food processor or that, <laughs> that's that's definitely one way like, to go. Where are you going to put it? I don't know. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> wow. Well, and the the final like little uh, connection there is. I mean, remember all the like the last few years, the tension between the Clippers and the Blazers. And, you know, Stotts and uh, Doc Rivers and CJ and Doc Rivers and how, like, it was always so exciting to see, like, what little extra drama was going to be developed, was going to develop around the Blazers and the Clippers. 
And now, like, Seth is, you know, practically the son-in-law. Yeah. <laughs> it's, like, going to be so interesting just to see how it all plays weird. out. I mean, the, now the Clippers aren't uh, aren't even the Clippers, though. So I wonder what that's going to be like if the Blazers-Clippers thing is going to still be alive this year. Or if we're going to find someone else to beef with. I guess we'll find out. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I always feel like kind of um, a couple years ago when we did a preview with Anthony Irwin from the um, Silver Screen and Roll, like the Lakers. Like mm. one of the first questions I asked him, this, is, this shows like how – I was just getting started in this. <laughs> First, one of the things I asked him, I was like, you know, so what do you think of the Blazers uh, Lakers rivalry? And he just laughed in my face. And he's like, you guys are not rivals. Portland oh. is not rivals with the Lakers. Like, you might think they were your rivals, but like, we don't, of all the people that we're thinking about, like, you're way down on the list. And I was oh, like, oh, man. The no. truth hurts. <laughs> no. I just totally did the, um, what do you call it? Like the Snoopy thing. And I was just like, oh, oh. play the Snoopy music. And I walked away. So. <laughs> yeah, the Lakers and the Blazers will always have something. It really doesn't matter what the com- like competition level is between the two teams. There will always be tension. There will always be hostility. The fans will always fight. It does not matter if we both suck or it, I mean, it just will never affect it. <laughs> and I kind of like that. I'm okay with that. I'm like so stressed out in advance for opening night. I can't oh, handle it. And I don't even like, want to think about it. <laughs> logic logic says the so the Blazers are playing the Lakers in LeBron's first game in a Laker uniform in Portland and they haven't won Lakers haven't won in Portland in like 12,000 games and they're going to have uh, LeBron. And so it's just like, everyone's like, well, the Lakers never win in Portland. It'll be great. The Portland, Portland's going to come out and kick their ass and, or, you know, look and see what, what, you know, the Lakers roster is. And I'm just like, oh, I so wish I could believe that. I'm such a worrier. Yeah. No, <laughs> I like, think you're, it's understandable to be worried. I mean, and you think about like all the Laker fans that we have in Portland, they're going to be out because, of course, they don't have Kobe anymore, but now they have Shaq. Or Shaq. But now they have LeBron. <laughs> they have Shaq. He's back. Did yeah, you that would be amazing. Uh, <laughs> but they have LeBron now, so you know it's going to be one of the most annoying nights to be at Moda, but one of the most probably exciting nights to be at Moda. Yeah. I just am so, so looking forward to the season starting. And one thing that I'm so excited for, the last thing that I'll talk about, the storyline that I am excited for, is we're it's official. We're going to get a retirement tour this season. I am so excited. I mean, I'm not excited that Dwayne Wade is retiring because, you know, he's a great player. Right. And I, you know, I mean, I guess I'm glad for him that he's ready to, like, you know, say when he's done. Yeah. But I love the retirement tour idea. Yes, me too. I'm so down with it. I'm sad. Like, it's it's the one way I can handle because it, we're down to the last few players that I grew up watching when I first started watching basketball, they're almost gone. So like Dirk's done. Uh, once Vince Carter's done, I don't know what I'm going to do with myself. Like, I've, yeah, I'm upset. Who did they say <laughs> the next Vince Carter was going to be like one of those guys from Toronto? You can be like, or Jakob Pertle. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, there, there will be people who try to replace it, but no one can replace my childhood. Yeah. How am I going to handle that? I don't know. Well, the one thing I love about retirement tours that I'm really looking forward to is the, well, there's a lot of, you know, there's the whole, like, 
are they going to play the video and the video compilation? But also, like, what gifts are good? I hope they do elaborate gifts. Like, I read the uh, autobiography of Lenny Wilkins, and he talked about his retirement year. And so he would go places and, like, the team where he was playing would give him, like, a rocking chair or, like, a all-expenses-paid vacation to somewhere. They, like, everywhere he went, they, like, all gave him a token oh, um, so cool. of appreciation for, you know, what he had brought to the game. And, like, you know, Dwayne Wade, like, totally is the kind of player who made a huge impact on the game and deserves something like that. So I can't wait to see. And because people are so clever. Yes. I think there's just going to be amazing, like, social media and gift giving and videos and everything around the retirement tour. Yeah. I love that, you know, when a player in the league retires, everyone kind of puts aside whatever trash talk, whatever, you know, ill will they hold towards someone for what they did to their team. And they're like, you know what? I respect you as a player. You've done a lot in the league and you deserve all the attention right now. It's, it's a great time to be in social media to experience all the love being directed towards one person. Yeah, that that's a great point. And that's that's kind of one of the things that I love about sports is the way that if you I mean, you can get like really caught up in your team and everything your team is doing and everything your team is doing wrong and everything the ownership is doing wrong and you know the players are hurt and we have bad luck or whatever. You can get all caught up in that. But if you take a step back and look at it more holistically and and look at, you know, every team is going through the same thing. Every fan base goes through the same thing. And, you know, when a, when a significant player comes to town or retires or whatever, it gives us a chance to reflect on what, what they brought and like what the larger sense of it is, you know, mm-hmm. just like you said, it's like they're, you know, who they are as a person and what they brought as a person, not just like what it was like when they were, you know, wearing the sweats of the other team. That exactly. One night that they... Although we're not ever going to forgive the 2000 conference finals. No, no, never. (laughs) And that's okay. I have a spot in my heart for hatred and it's reserved for that game. So it's totally fine. (laughs) Well, do you have anything else that you are going to be looking forward to this season? You know, I'm going to take this season and just be positive and hopeful uh, for yet another rebuilding year um, with some players that I'm kind of unfamiliar with. If we're being honest, we picked up a couple people in the off season that I don't know much about. So I'm excited for them to prove themselves, maybe even to themselves, but also to us uh, as fans. And I don't know, just another good season. I'm stoked. I, I get butterflies thinking about NBA season starting and just constantly being busy watching basketball. That is what I love. So I know I love those, uh, especially at the beginning when they, when they put a whole bunch of games like right in a row together. And so like the first weekend or two, you're just like, that's all you're doing is watching basketball all day. Oh yeah. And, and especially in the beginning, I don't know about you, but in the beginning I'll watch all the teams. Cause I'm like, yes, let's do this. All the games. <laughs> I don't care who I'm watching, but, um, it tapers off cause I got to focus on, on my team, but at least in the beginning, that's what I do. Well, shall we turn to uh, playing our guest interview next? 
Yes, let's do it. Yeah, so um, we talked earlier tonight to Janelle Moore. She is a writer for B-Ball Index, Real Ball Insider. She is a fan of the Golden State Warriors, and she writes about them. Um, And I particularly love the way she approaches the team because on the one hand, she, like, doesn't let them get away with anything. (laughs) Right. She's like, if they make a mistake, she will call them out on it. If they are doing something sloppy, she will, you know, bring it to everybody's attention. Mm -hmm. And she's, I just enjoy talking to her because she reminds me of, um, you know, that it's not just about the big stars that, you know, there's more than just, you know, Steph and Draymond and all those other guys on Golden State Warriors. They're, they're actually a, a whole team. And she, um, she uh, just reminds me that it's not just about the big guys that everybody got and everybody talks about. There's, yeah. there's more to the story. Yeah. And she, uh, you know, makes them seem almost human to us <laughs> Blazers fans, which is important I think, to remember. I know. I think about it when uh, because like if if there's any team that just really annoys me, it's them. But it's because they're so good. Oh, of course. You know, it's not because I like have an irrational or irrational dislike for them. It's because I irrationally dislike the fact that they are so good and it's just (laughs) not fair. And sometimes I get all caught up in that. And then I think, wait a minute, like. What would Janelle say if I was saying or thinking the if I said out loud the thing that I'm thinking right now? That's not fair. <laughs> so so what yeah, we called we called Janelle in to talk to us about what she's looking forward to with uh, the stories that she's going to be watching uh, with regards to Golden State because I think it's interesting because like God they've people have written so much about them like what else could they possibly have to write about this team so we talked to her about it so uh hope y'all enjoy our talk with uh janelle well now it's time for us to bring in janelle to talk to us a little bit about what she's looking forward to and the upcoming season and the stories that she will be tracking so janelle meet alex alex meet janelle Hey, Hi, Janelle. How are you? Good. How are you? I'm good tonight. You know, it's something I just realized is that this is the champions edition of the Women's Hoops and Talks podcast. I mean, you know, Janelle is a, associated in a fan of the Golden State Warriors. And then, of course, me and Alex as the uh, representing the Summer League champions, Portland Trailblazers. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> So welcome to the, to the Champions Edition. Thank you for being with us on the Champions Edition of Women's Hoops and Talks. Well, let's just dive right in, Janelle. What Alex and I have been talking about what we're looking forward to for this season. So what stories are you going to be watching um, unfold in the next several months? What I'm really looking forward to immediately is um, if whether or not Patrick McCall, McCall will be in uniform um, coming up this season and even reporting to training camp next week. So Patrick McCaw with the Warriors? Yes. Yeah. See, he he's a, a restricted free agent and he has been a holdout all off season. And, you know, right now we're coming down to the wire and he still hasn't signed a deal yet. So we're um, just seeing what kind of options we have in case he doesn't sign. 
I did not know that that was a storyline going on down there. That yes, is very yes, interesting. It is. Yes, it is. And, you know, we have some, you know, some players that's um, competing for the second two-way contract. Um, that might be a, a pretty big deal right down the line. And also, um, we signed a, a player. Um, he is now Steph's brother-in-law, Damian Lee. He's a, a wing, and we are very low on wing depth. So that's going to be pretty interesting immediately. So was he signed like to a regular contract or a two-way contract? Who, Damien? Yeah. Two-way. He's the two-way. He was, yeah, he was with Santa Cruz for most of last season, and then he got called up to the Hawks briefly. And, you know, Santa Cruz brought him back, and, you know, the Warriors signed him you know, to a two-way. So that dynamic is going to be interesting, you know, um, playing under his brother-in-law. So no mention of Boogie Cousins. I'm getting to that in a minute. Okay. (laughs) I said immediately. I mean, we all know about Boogie. I mean, Boogie is is an interesting case because he won't be active until December at the earliest. But we're looking to activate him like around January. And another, and that goes into another storyline I'm interested in. Who's going to be the starting center while Boogie rehabs? He's still undergoing rehab. Do you have any thoughts or ideas on who it's going to be? I think it's going to be Kevon Looney because he did such a great job in the Houston series, you know, guarding against James Harden's tendencies and, you know, just really being present out there you know, active hands, and we are a switch. We emphasize on the switch on defense, so he'll be a better fit. Now, you know, I could also see Jordan Bell uh, in the lineup because of his athleticism, so it could go either way, but, you know, if I were a betting woman, I would say um, Looney. Yeah, what does the job description for a Golden State Warrior center look like? And like, what, what are, what's the center expected to do? You mentioned switching. So it seems like it's important that they're mobile. You know, what are there other things that they're asked to do in that center position? Playmake a little bit, playmake out the, off the block a little bit, you know, uh, passing, you know, David West was phenomenal in that role when he was a backup center for us, you know, we, he retired this, uh, this off season. So, um, you know, you got to be able to pass as well as switch. And right now with with uh, Boogie, we have a, a person that can score effectively. And this the Warriors haven't had that since Weber. Wow, that's a long time. <laughs> uh, yeah, a very long time. I mean, you know, even Boogie at maybe 65 or 75% was – better than what Zaza was if you're talking about offense. Um, Janelle, just real quick. uh, One of the stories that I keep hearing about is that Steve Kerr is having to work really hard to make sure his players are not getting bored. Do you think that's real? Do you think there's any truth to that? Or is that a really a concern? Oh, hell yeah, it's real. It's very real. (laughs) Okay. It is real. It is real because if you remember in March, uh, Kerr let the Warriors themselves coach against the Suns. Each one of them had a, had a specific play to run. Every last one of them. 
Steph, Draymond, Iguodala, everybody, because that's how bored they were and ended up beating them by 45 points. <laughs> Does it get boring, like, being a fan of a team that is always winning? <laughs> you know, I don't really pay that any mind because it's it's more or less like the process. The Warriors may make this run look easy, but it's not. They have to guard against human nature, which is boredom, have to guard against the disease of more and the disease of me, which that really ties into human nature. And so far they have done that. You know, it's a lot. And plus the the physical and mental grind of 82 games. Yeah, plus I mean, another it's, 16. It's not, it's not, like, it's not yeah. like yeah, you're playing 2K here, you know? <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. Another one that I keep hearing about is that um, that the Blazers or the sorry, the Warriors aren't going to have all their players next season. They can't afford to keep everybody around. Is that a a concern of yours? No, I'm going to tell you why it's not a concern, because Joe Lacob, Bob Myers and everybody involved in that front office kind of, you know, they know, you know, what will occur like two years from you know, when they signed KD three years ahead, they they planned it out. And again, this goes goes into the culture that we have. There's rumors about Clay going to LA, but here's the thing. Clay, you know, has reiterated several times that he wants to remain a warrior. What you think influences these players really doesn't influence clay that much i don't know whether or not it's his nba background you know his father michael played for portland and la uh years ago i think he was drafted by portland first and then got traded to the lakers but anyway clay has been exposed to the stuff and he wants to, and he he he's not really tripping off of money he's not really tripping off of a a role he just He's just comfortable with who he is and where he is. So I'm looking at Clay to maybe sign an extension sometime in the season because we don't really know what his salary demands are. As far as KD is concerned, we will have his bird rights. And we and I don't think anyone can really, you know, match what we're willing to pay him. And they're they're willing to pay him to keep him in a Golden State uniform. But even with that, I don't think that Durant is all that influenced by what the Warriors are willing to pay him because he has, you know, his interest off the court with 35 media and some venture capitalist um, hookups or whatever, whatever the case may be. And I think he's just looking for, looking whether or not he wins with, with our team and plus, is the the camaraderie, is it still there? You know, and I think that's why he's even in Oakland in the first place. Well, okay, what about Draymond then? Are they going to be able to keep him? Um, maybe. Because, you know, we don't really know what dr- their demands are. You know, and again, Draymond is the type of player, and what people don't realize is that you know, he he won't be the guy in the traditional sense. He has carved out his niche with the Warriors. And 
has played that role to perfection. And he's the type that's not really tripping off of money either. Not much. I know that he is going to, you know, reject an extension offer, but that's just playing it smart. I think he's uh, doing that because his agent, BJ, has, you know, kind of instructed him to. So, you know, you just have to wait and see. But I'm I'm not really that concerned at all. Well, I, Alex can probably remember this too we've been told before by a player that he wanted to be a lifetime blazer and then things changed Mm -hmm. they seriously changed i mean and i'm not saying that you know uh, we're talking about when lamarcus you know in january said that he wanted to be a lifetime blazer and stay and beat all the records and then he left in free agency and i'm not saying that like he didn't mean it when he said it but situations change so i just i'm always like super cautious when somebody says i'm gonna be a lifetime and i'm just like oh god mm-hmm. <laughs> don't say that don't say that <laughs> <laughs> well one more question for you janelle before we go and that is that we uh you wrote an article earlier this summer which i loved i loved the concept of it called no more lies and you talked about all of the storylines that you think should end and all the things that people shouldn't be talking about anymore. So I thought that might be a nice way for us to conclude would be for you to tell us about some of the storylines that you think um, people shouldn't be talking about anymore. Well, again, No More Lies is actually a three-part series, and I wrapped up uh, the conclusion today. Uh, there's plenty of false narratives and just crap that's been spewed about the Warriors. That I think all of it needs to end, but what what really gets me is the fact that, uh, you know, the whole, K, you know, adding of KD, that's what gets me, you know, it's, the, it's a cute little narrative, especially with how um, 2016 ended for us. You know, and that narrative is that we had to get KD in response to our collapse. But the thing is, there's been whispers about KD to the Warriors ever since 2015. So you don't think you know, it was like a, a people need to stop saying that the Warriors lost and so they went out and got KD like it was always the plan? It was always the plan. And even if the Warriors would uh, won the title in 2016, they would have gone after Kevin Durant. And that's because our owner, Joe Lacob, is somebody that wants to win, wants to get better, is always striving to get better. And that's why we are where we are. One of the other things that you said that people need to just like put to bed is, is it Steph Curry's team or KD's team? What did you mean by that? What I mean by that is there's a people use Kevin and Steph and pit them against each other. Even Kevin said that it was Steph's team. Kevin himself said that he doesn't want the, doesn't need to be the top guy, but they want to make him the top guy to create friction between he and Steph. But Steph isn't really tripping off of that. Neither mm-hmm. is Kevin. They play well with each other. And that's what people don't understand. They have scored average around the same points per game. And sometimes Steph would edge him out in the regular season while KD would edge Steph out in the playoffs. They're both efficient. And, you know, the, the approach to the game is, diff, is different specific because of their size and their skill sets, but they find a way to mesh. 
Yeah. They serve different purposes. So there's no real way that they could be stepping on each other's toes. They're just doing two different things on the court. Right. 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 Yeah. And I think it's disrespectful to Steph. And I know it's, it's hot out in the NBA streets to hate on this guy for whatever reason. <laughs> but, you know, eventually a lot of these distractors and naysayers will have to put respect on his name, whether you like him or not. And, you know, you don't, you don't have to like the guy, but just, just respect what he has done for the game and respect how he got to where he was. A lot of people even charge nepotism. Like, like Dale was, you know, that dude, and he was a, a sixth man in Charlotte for so many years. And, you know, having that bloodline doesn't necessarily mean you'll be in the NBA if it was that simple. Where's uh, Michael Jordan's kids? Right. When they when they played basketball, they, uh, one of them got smoked by Eric Gordon. So, you know, <laughs> it, it just it just depends. You know, just respect what he this guy has been able to do with his limited size and, and his, his weight and his stature. I mean, he worked. Wasn't nothing handed to him. You know, you, you, know, you just got to respect that. Respect how, what he's done. And how he has turned that franchise around. Oh my gosh! I am certainly hoping that the the Steph Curry's talents do translate to the rest of his family because, as you know, the Portland Trailblazers just picked up Seth Curry. So, what can you tell us about Seth Curry? Seth is obviously an unbelievable shooter, and he has really worked hard to get where he is and has has overcome a lot as far as um trying to get in and stay in the league. Um, he had a lot of 10-day contracts, you know, with Cleveland, Phoenix, Memphis, New Orleans, but no one would give him a concrete deal except for Sacramento. And the, and the Kings underused him. You know, um, George Carl was the coach when Seth was there. And, of course, George Carl um, is an alum of Carolina, and Carolina hates Duke. To the, I mean, really, he did. He didn't play this guy and because ended up at he, Duke. He, 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 yeah, he transferred to Duke. Seth started out at, at Liberty. Seth had a pretty good run at. Did he? He played at Dallas before he got injured, didn't he? Yeah, yeah. He had a he had a great run in Dallas, and then he got injured last year, and he was out for the whole year. And he has worked up. Uh, after his surgery, he has worked hard in his rehab, working out with this guy called Dribble Too Much. I mean, he's really working hard to to get that year back. And I just hope for you guys that um, you guys will use him the right way. I could see him uh, playing off of CJ because, you know, as a shooting guard, I mean, they're both the same size. Uh, Seth can create his own shot. I think that would be a nice fit if you, if you guys will use, will use him often and use him properly. Well, I myself am a younger sibling. And so, you know, with much uh, better and more accomplished older siblings. And so I always tried twice <laughs> as hard. So I'm hoping that Seth will surprise everybody as well and uh, come out there. The only thing is uh, their names are so close. I have to think so hard every Me time too. I say their names. It's so difficult. Do you think we're we'll ever going to get over it? it? Yeah, it, I think it, we will. Yeah, I think 
you know, when I talk about these guys, even my friends kind of get confused. I'm like, you know, who do you cheer for? I'm like, I cheer for Steph. Steph is his uh, younger brother. Well, you'll, you know, you'll still cheer cool. root for Seth a little bit, right? Yeah, a little bit because because I want to see him. I want to see him do well. I mean, he he has worked his butt off and still continue to work his butt off, especially you know being in Stefan's shadow. Yeah, um, that can't be easy. You know, I can emphasize with him a little bit because I feel like that. I mean, I don't have a sibling or anything. I'm an only child, but as far as um. You know, trying to break in and stay in uh, the sports media industry game. You know, I I've had the kind of setbacks and stuff that Seth has, so I kind of I kind of understand. Well, I wish Seth a lot of great luck, and of course, I also wish you a lot of great luck, um, Janelle. Before we sign off, can you tell folks where they can find your work? Yes, absolutely. You can find my work uh, um, at SB Nation for for Golden State of Mind, obviously, and also Cat Scratch Reader. I I do work right on Sundays, even though, you know, I haven't paid attention to football in about like maybe two and a half years. But you can find my work there. You can find my work at Real Ball Insiders. Um, You're busy. And- and the USA Today Panthers Wire, and also coming up uh, the B Ball Index, and I'll be writing about the the Warriors there also. Awesome! And do you have a social media account that you want to share? Yes, I do. You can hit me up on Twitter at Janelle Twelve. That is J A double N E double L E twelve, and also on Instagram. My handle is Writer Diva. Writer Diva. All right. Nice. I just followed you right now. (laughs) (laughs) It's the interactive show. Well, Janelle, thank you so, so much for joining us today. And we look forward to checking with you again another time. We'll have another reunion of the Champions Edition. Um, All right. (laughs) Have a great evening. Thanks so much for joining us. Okie dokie. Well, that's going to do it for this edition of Women's Hoops and Talks. Alex, thank you so much for joining me this week. That was really fun. Would you like to tell people how they can find more Alex Haig in the future? Oh, if you need any more Alex Haig, uh, you can find it on Twitter at Al Hicks, O-W-L-H-I-X, and uh, at Al Hicks on Instagram as well. Okay, awesome. And everyone, thank you so much for listening to the podcast. If you like the podcast, you can subscribe to the Blazers Edge podcast feed and the Women's Hoops and Talks edition shows up every other Thursday. You can also follow at Hoops and Talks on Twitter. And every time we drop a new episode, we will also tweet it out through that account. So thanks again for listening and we'll catch you next time. 